Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. Hello, summer. We missed you. It's finally June and we're starting to heat up outside. What better way to cool down than with some frozen desserts? Disney lovers, we've got a special treat for you in this frozen month, but everyone else, you can relax. We promise it won't involve a rendition of Let It Go. We're also talking about another way to make our lives easier during the hectic days of summer with easy one-bowl recipes. Less dishes, more dessert? Yes, please. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, I did something so exciting today that I've been wanting to do for a long time that I know you do all the time, and that is I made my first batch of kombucha. Congratulations! So exciting. Tell me how it turned out. It was so exciting, the entire process. So thanks to my friend Angelique, who's been, she's on fermenting boards, she's taking fermenting classes, she's a master fermenter and does all kinds of things. She brought me her SCOBY. Now, she says SCOBY, but I've heard it said SCOBY. How do you pronounce that? I've always said SCOBY uh, because it only has one O in it, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And That's SCOBY true. makes me think of the cartoon. Of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Indeed. He's not in my kombucha right no. now. So, mm-hmm. okay. My Scooby, she brought that for me. And so, folks who don't know, this is a fermented sweet tea, and it has a living uh, – this Scooby is a living organism, kind of if you think of like a sourdough starter, and it eats up the sugar in the sweet tea, turning it kind of tangy and bubbly. And so, I have my first – batch you go through one ferment and then you kind of taste it for preference and then at the second time you take the scoby out and then you can add some flavorings and so andrea i have a few questions for you first of all i'm wondering when you know when do you do that first ferment when do you say it's done like day five to ten is kind of what angelique has told me to look out for what's your usual I'm a seven-day person because what I usually do is make it on Sundays, and that way I remember to do it the next Sunday. (laughs) So Uh that just works with my schedule. If you want to keep it on a regular schedule, um, my suggestion is pick a day of the week, and for me, the weekend works best. So I'm a seven-day first fermenter. Okay, so super interesting. I know a lot of it comes down to taste preference, and I do like more bubbles. What are some of the other flavors? Do you flavor yours? Do you drink yours straight just after the first ferment? What do you like to add to yours? Oh, no, I definitely do a second ferment, and that's where I add sugar via the form of some type of fruit. And I think one of my favorites is apple, and so I'll add a little bit of fresh-pressed apple juice, and sometimes I'll throw lemon in there. Sometimes I'll throw ginger in there. That's a really good one. I've done blueberries. I've done raspberries. I mean, I just, I make it all summer long with whatever fresh fruit I have on hand. And you know me, I'm not the most exacting person in the world. What I typically do is throw stuff in there and then I bottle it in the dark brown bottles, kind of those beer type Mm -hmm. bottles. And then I serve Mm -hmm. it to my husband and he says, this is so good. What's in it? And I go, I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's always a little different with you. Got it. It is always yes. a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of doing a rhubarb, maybe rhubarb ginger. I thought about that. Mm. I thought about maybe with our classic elderflower flavor here, maybe I could try some of that. Elderflowers are actually growing wild, and you can forage for them in parks like you would maybe pick blackberries or something mm-hmm. in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Oh, you thought must. about doing that. Yes. I must. I must, I must forage must. for elderflower, I think. <laughs> I think you must. I think it's a mandate while I live here. Yeah. Well, um, awesome. I will keep you posted, and I may have some more questions for you as we go. But I would love to have Angelique on the show because she just – she does it all, and she's a forager, and she has just a really fascinating perspective on canning and and preserving. And I know that's something both you and I are really interested in. I would love to hear from her. And as I've often said, I often view my kitchen as a huge science project. And I have things on counters. I have things in the refrigerator. I have things in my outside garage. I have things in my outside refrigerator that are in some stage of brew or ferment. (laughs) And it would be really fun to hear from a professional. I've taken a couple of classes. I also make something called water kefir, which is very similar to kombucha. And I actually have much better success with that than I do with kombucha. So I'd love to talk to her about the differences between those two. And I've heard that perhaps my bacteria are fighting each other for this same sort of kitchen space. So maybe if I separate them, they might do better. It's just a fun, it's such a fun project. I am so excited you're getting into it. Yeah, I love it. If you like classes and you like learning, Stefan and I have a special treat for all of our listeners coming up. On Saturday, July 28th, we are going to be hosting a baking class in the evening. It's going to be in Olympia, Washington. Stefan is coming to visit, obviously, from London. So we're going to have a special short time with her. And we're going to be doing pies and Prosecco. And so those of you who have wanted to learn how to bake pies and make your own crust and are still feeling a little bit intimidated, or those of you who are pie experts and you love making pies and you just want to come and hang out with us. We are hoping that you will sign up and register for our class. We do have a limited number of seats available. We will be at the Little General store in downtown Olympia, and we will post a link and registration soon for that. So mark your calendars Saturday, July 28th at six in the evening, pies and Prosecco with preheated. I'm so excited to do our first live event. You know, you and I were first starting this show. We were talking about kind of our vision for the future and how it would evolve. And I think early on, we both said we would love to go out and meet listeners and do some hands-on things with them. So it's finally coming true. I'm so excited. I know. It's going to be great. In the meantime, let's turn our attention to frozen treats. This is our month of frozen treats, and we're starting off with a special treat from Disney. Yes, I am talking about Dole Whip. Now, (laughs) Stefan, you, I know, are a huge Disney fan, so I think I would love for you to kick off and talk a little bit about your experience with Dole Whip when you're at the park. Oh, Dole Whip, Disney. Also, just thank you for making June Frozen Month. So as listeners may remember, (laughs) I was having a true moral dilemma when I was packing up to move to London uh, last, last spring. Should I bring my ice cream maker? And yes, the answer was yes. I brought it. Yes, of it course. It is here now. And so, of course, we had to do another frozen month because otherwise that would have just been been a wasted space in my in my sea shipment. But 
Um, yes. So we are a Disney family. For many years, my brother lived very close to Disneyland. And so we were able to easily visit when we visited with him. And one of the delights of visiting Disneyland is something called the Dole Whip. And this is sold at a stand that is sponsored by the, the Dole Pineapple and Banana folks. In you know, in Disneyland, it's in uh, right by the Tiki Room. I think it might be at different places mm-hmm. in different parks. But I've since learned that you can also uh, find it um, on the boardwalk in San Diego and also at the Dole Plantation on the island of Oahu. And I'm happy to tell you I've had it in all three places. So, <laughs> oh, For those of us who aren't able to get to any of those three places but who want this tasty non-dairy soft serve treat, we are going to be trying a recipe from home. Now, there's a lot of recipes out there on the internet, a lot of copycat yeah. recipes, but we went ahead and picked the one that is actually from the Dole Company because we felt like uh, they would probably be the best resource of telling us what a Dole Whip should taste like. So it's going to be pretty easy. It's a cup of pineapple juice that you freeze in an ice cube tray, a banana that you've peeled and frozen, a little bit of powdered sugar, and then some unsweetened coconut milk beverage. Yeah, so clarify for me, what what is coconut milk beverage? So I think the reason they're calling it coconut milk beverage is that there are so many options now. Coconut milk in a can that is on the shelf and in your pantry, I call that coconut milk. And coconut milk beverage, I interpret as the thing you buy from your grocery store in the refrigerated section next to the other milk alternatives like almond milk and rice milk and hemp milk. And so um, they have sweetened and they have unsweetened. I don't think it necessarily matters which brand you get. It might come in a box um, or it could be in the dairy section. But it's it's meant to be drunk from the container as okay, opposed to, you know, the coconut milk in a can. You wouldn't you wouldn't just drink that straight out of the can. And that would be more something I would put in a Thai curry or something of that nature too. Now, would this be different than coconut water? Yes. Coconut water, um, I know a lot of people drink after a workout. I personally find it not to my liking. Yeah. Um, But (laughs) I also think of coconut water, if you do open that can of coconut milk, you have the solids, the coconut solids or the coconut cream. Yeah. And then you have the liquid and that's the coconut water. So you can use that for things. I will sometimes throw it into a smoothie instead of regular water. But I think in, in this particular thing, in the Dole Whip, you won't get sort of the creaminess if you use the coconut water. So I am going to go ahead and search out the coconut milk beverage. And then my other question, Andrea, on this is, this looks like a single serving recipe. Am I meant to make and eat this recipe as written for one? Is that how you were reading this? You know, that's a good question. Um, The particular recipe from the Dole one that I'm looking at says two servings, and that's with a cup of pineapple juice, one banana, two and a half teaspoons of sugar and a quarter cup to half a cup of the coconut milk beverage. So I think it depends on how big your serving is going to be. But, you know, after you whip that up in the blender, you can do like they do at the park and serve it in a cup as kind of a frozen treat. Or you can serve it as a pineapple float. If you've got a glass of pineapple juice, Mm -hmm. you can then put the frozen concoction that you just made into a glass of pineapple juice and have a pineapple float. And I think that's kind of a fun way to have it too. You know, I wonder if it would be good even with like 7-Up or Sprite, something kind of sparkly. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a, a riff on a root beer float. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's a great idea. I'm so glad we're starting off Frozen Month with with this treat, which I have long loved. Of course, it's nowhere near me here. Maybe at Disneyland Paris, but I'm uh, – yeah. So <laughs> – 
I don't know if it's a, worth a trip just for that. But Dole Whip, if you haven't had it, we hope that the good folks at Dole and their at-home recipe is going to be a real winner to start us off. Remember, we'll have a link to this recipe on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Pinterest and Facebook page. Andrea, have uh, you had a chance to recover from cake month? Oh, wait, I mean uh, the royal treatment month <laughs> where we made <laughs> three cakes. I know that you have a real fondness for one bowl recipes, yes? It's true. I really believe the simpler the better when it comes to baking. And I think a big part of it is that I am someone who cleans as I go. And so if a recipe uses tons of bowls and my mixer and my food processor and a bunch of spoons and some pots and pans, I can get overwhelmed and exhausted right in the middle of the recipe and just want to give up. And that's when I start taking shortcuts, which, as we know, sometimes works and sometimes (laughs) doesn't. I, I think that's a big part of the reason I don't sift often is I, I just see it as one more thing to get yeah. dirty that I have to clean up. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. how about you? Yeah, I like it too. And I do a lot of it. And in fact, when we were researching this mini segment, I was surprised, although not, to discover how many we've done over the course of this show. You know, if you think about way back in episode two, our pumpkin bunt. That's a one bowl cake. Uh, Episode 57, we did our gingerbread cookie bars. That's a one bowl. We Mm -hmm. loved that. Even last week when we were doing Prince Harry's banana cake, that's a one bowl. And then I'm actually this weekend going to make a very popular one, which was the contest winning moist chocolate cake. That was from episode 61.5. One bowl, Mm -hmm. one bowl chocolate cake. And so I think it's really great because they are easy. They come together minimum of fuss, minimum of equipment, you know, one bowl and you're done. So I really, really do like that. Uh, What are some of your favorites? Well, hands down, brownies. That's definitely my most favorite one bowl recipe. My go-to recipe for brownies is from Mark Bittman. He is the author of How to Bake Everything. But recently I saw some chatter on the Facebook group I wanted to ask you about. It was a King Arthur recipe that you posted. And listener Christian tried it out and um, he was giving it a huge thumbs up. So kind of tell me a little bit about that recipe that you found. Yes, so that actually is an online version of my favorite brownie recipe from the King Arthur Flower Cookie Companion Cookbook, which is a great, great cookbook. And the thing I love in that cookbook is they'll give you a cookie and then they'll give you a variety of variations. So under the brownies, they have fudgy brownie, cakey brownie, and then they have this hybrid, which is called the on the fence brownie, which is between a cakey and a a fudgy. And Although I am team fudgy, my family is evenly split. So these yes. are my favorite brownie because I think they get that texture exactly, exactly right. And they are a, a one bowl. They actually rely on a microwave, although I think uh, you can do that, some of the prep on the stove as well. I think so. Yeah. And I just, I absolutely, I absolutely love them. So that may be one of my most favorite one bowls. Absolutely. In my heart, then my second place behind my beloved brownies is probably going to go to good old banana bread or zucchini bread or my latest, newest favorite, the lemon drizzle cake back from episode 44. All of these quick loaf breads are really easy to put together and mix into one bowl. And I just find that makes me more likely to make them on a regular basis. What are some of your favorites for the one bowl recipes? 
Yes, all of those as well, uh, zucchini breads, banana breads. Um, I do an Irish soda bread quite a bit. And, you know, as I was writing that one down, I thought that no need yeast bread that we did from Alexandra Stafford back in bread month, it almost qualifies as a one bowl and made even more obvious by the fact that you bake it in the bowl too. So yes. that, that kind of almost mm-hmm. falls into this category. There's a new one that I'm really excited about, and it's called a flapjack. Andrea, have you heard of a flapjack? I've heard of pancakes being referred to as a flapjack. Yeah, exactly. So this is one of those English versus American English, uh, British English versus American English things. Here we call, in England, a flapjack is a type of a cookie that is very much like a soft granola bar. And it is a one bowl. In fact, it's a one pan, four ingredients. So even better, it is oats. Golden syrup, Lyle's golden syrup, butter, and brown sugar. So you might go into a diabetic coma, but (laughs) you have only dirtied one pan. So they are – you stir everything up and – then you bake them for a short time. The recipe that I have, you then let them cool in the pan overnight and they just have a very chewy consistency. Some people like it a little more crispy. It's one of those kind of preference, you know, fudgy versus cakey type of things. But I'm really liking those and that's definitely an easy and one bowl. Where do you find some of yours? Well, luckily, a lot of recipe developers are bragging about one bowl recipes. They know that cooks are looking for them, and so they'll include that in the title. So it has been easier to find. You can easily do an internet or a Pinterest search for one bowl desserts, and you'll pull up a plethora of items. One of my latest favorites is Yvonne Ruperti, and she is the author of a book called One Bowl Baking. Mm -hmm. And luckily, she publishes many of her recipes on the Serious Eats website. So if you're interested in her recipes, I think there's probably about 20 or 24 of those on there. You could try a few of them before you spring for the book purchase and see if you like them. One of my favorites that she does is called a boozy eggnog cake. Yes. And I... (laughs) I know that right now in June, that might not sound particularly appealing, but believe me, come winter time, holiday time, the idea of eggnog in cake form is going to sound delicious to you. So I hope you will remember this come December. Yeah, I think we'll definitely need to revisit that around the holiday time. I love talking about one bowl recipes, especially as we just made a very popular one, Prince Harry's banana cake. But then prior to that, we made a definitely not a one bowl cake with our <laughs> lemon elderflower. So it's nice to be able to just grab and go with your ingredients and have something relatively quickly. So listeners, we'd love to hear what your favorite one bowl desserts are. You can post on Facebook or shoot us an email, hosts at preheatedpodcast.com and let us know. I can't wait to see what our listeners come up with. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. Next week, we'll find out if our Dole Whip recipe is just as tasty when we make it at home, or if we need to pack up and jet off to Disneyland to get our fix. We'll also introduce a classic indulgent American treat, Rocky Road ice cream, with a special bonus option. We'll teach you how to make it dairy-free. Thanks, as always, to Anne-Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. You can find Anne-Marie at annemarierussell.com or download her tunes on iTunes or Amazon. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. If you like our show, please do tell a friend. It is the best way that people can find us. And consider ranking and reviewing us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington.
Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.